Thanks for downloading the Parent Stuff Podcast. My name is Evan Semenko. I'm the host, and every week we interview and talk to somebody that can help you as a parent win. We are so thankful you're here. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. A new episode comes out every week to help you with different parenting topics. And today's guest, Perry Reed, is our first repeat guest on the podcast. And as it's Valentine's week, we wanted to ask her about love, relationships, and dating as a professional Christian counselor. When should your kids start dating? How old? When do you talk about sex with your kids? All kinds of good stuff that we hope will encourage and help you today to deal with this difficult topic a lot of times on the Parent Stuff Podcast. So check out this conversation with Perry Reed. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Parent Stuff Podcast. Perry, I believe you are our first repeat guest. Well, that is awesome. Have you back again. That's right. Perry Reed, introduce yourself in case they missed the first episode you were on. Let us know a little bit about you and things have changed since the last time you were on. You are right. So, yes, I am Perry Gilbert Reed. I'm married to the wonderful Brian Reed, and I am an LPC as well as a uh, registered play therapist. I'm also um, a certified EMDR provider, um, and things have changed. So, I have started my own practice. I have a partner with me, um, and it's we're under Shreveport Counseling Restoration um, Center, and we're a faith-based counseling center Um, my partner works a lot with uh, what they would call well I guess or sex addicts as well as betrayal trauma Um, she works with teens and up it's Whitney Voss and then myself I work with the babies as well as adults but you know I love my babies (laughs) you are great at it Perry was on staff with us for Simple Church she is married to Brian Reed who is on staff went off to do her counseling thing and that's so exciting we're excited for you and the new opportunity we're going to put a link in the show notes of anybody looking for a counselor wants to talk some more today is not going to be the most just light fun issue it's important (laughs) but it is something that I think a lot of times parents are uncomfortable talking about maybe don't know maybe don't want to talk about it with their friends and this is a great way for anonymously you to speak into their life speak some truth and talk about relationships dating and sex That's right. So you might want to put your headphones off for this one. We will not be graphic or inappropriate, but sometimes it's weird. It's hard to talk about. Absolutely. And so we are glad you're here to talk about it. Thank you. And I'm going to defer to the expert, Perry, and you. We're trying to help parents and Somebody might have downloaded this podcast and immediately looked at the title or what we're going to talk about and like, ah, I don't know if my kids are ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. And let's just start with that. So okay. what age do you think you should start talking to your kids about these kinds of issues? I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, the sooner the better. The research shows that, and I think, let me back up the bus here. I think for us, based on what you said, oh, I don't know if they're ready or yet. I think that is a... Um, a hindrance within our spirit just because we we love our baby's innocence right mm-hmm. so we don't want them to know about these things however um, research has shown that when we talk about it early we normalize it and that's the one thing we want to happen we want them to come to us with those questions versus their friends versus the internet versus the playground huddle you know and so the sooner you talk about it the better um we we don't we think we'll give them the idea of sex if we talk about it um but really what we're doing is we're saying hey this is a normal part of life if you have any questions you are welcome to talk to me that's really what we're communicating um to them when we allow that topic 
to be discussed. Yeah, and like most things, it comes down to communication, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to give some tips, so stay tuned for things to talk about, books to read, ways yes. to help parents that ha- give you those words, because mm-hmm. it is awkward. It is weird. It is. And in my own life, so I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and so for us, before Nora started kindergarten this year in August, we sat down with her and talked about not anybody ever touching you inappropriately. Mm-hmm. It's the world we live in. We didn't make it a huge deal, but we just said, hey, if this ever happens, we want you to tell us, tell a teacher. It's not okay to be alone with somebody else at school. It's not okay for anybody to touch you in these places. Mm-hmm. And she went about her day. I mean, it's not something to her, but we at least tried to have that conversation or trying to figure it out so she's aware, and sadly, it's the world we live in. And it that's is. one small piece of a much bigger puzzle, but it is something that it's like, man, that sticks out for me and Mallory because it was – I mean, dramatic's a big word. It's mm-hmm. it's dramatic to say that, but it is. <laughs> it's like we have to prepare our five-year-old innocent mm-hmm. little kindergartner to go into the world to be able to talk about these things and having those hard conversations as well as trying to encourage and instill a positive view of relationships and dating and marriage eventually and all kinds of stuff at five. Like, <laughs> she's working on her letters, but it is something <laughs> that I think most of the time, in my opinion, as a student pastor, talking to parents in crisis, right? They normally come in crisis. They never had the conversation, and their kids in middle school now most of the time is what I was dealing with. And all of a sudden, it's like you said, they're turning to other sources. They're going, they're curious, and the parents don't know how to, don't want to, can't deal with it. And you've got some ways to help with that today. So thanks for being here talking about it. Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing you said there um, that waiting, that there are some who wait until later and let's just be real i mean i could speak from my own life my mom i had that conversation with me at 24 on there and so for us if we were never taught to normalize um sex as an adult then i mean as a child then it's it we're going off of what we know and it doesn't feel right we shouldn't have to be I mean reality is we shouldn't have to tell our children about this but we do live in a world where we do have to clarify it and so allowing again that conversation to be normalized just allows them to come to you later and the one thing we want to make sure of is that if we don't talk to them they're going to hear it from someone else they're going to learn someone else's values and we need to make sure that we are consistently this isn't a one-time conversation either this is a continuing conversation and so we allow for values to be instilled when we do that so that that child no matter their age has a decision making model to go by on there it's complicated (laughs) the thing I would talk to to sixth grade parents and this is something that I was passionate about every year we would do a series on dating relationships try to speak what we believe was God's truth and make it biblical and help to have those conversations. We would have a dating panel and have different people with different experiences share that were Christians that had either made mistakes and had regrets or done different things and give them those different perspectives. But the statistic that I always remember, and this is, gosh, four or five years old probably now, was that 80% of kids by fourth grade had been viewed some kind of pornographic mm-hmm. material. And you might have other numbers on that, but it's, it's most of the time it's accidental when they're kids. They're not mm-hmm. intentionally looking at it, but they have that technology they have that exposure more than any other generation in history and it causes these questions and confusion and can lead to addiction and things at mm-hmm. fourth grade the story that will always stand out in my mind was I was an intern we went to a summer camp and we had a sixth grade boy who had brought a PSP this mm-hmm. was like 2006 it's a portable games system and he was looking at pornography in the lobby of the camp mm-hmm. and was caught by a camp counselor there because this is the first time he had not had access to it mm-hmm. and at 11 12 years old mm-hmm. 
couldn't stop himself. And it's just one of those things I will never forget of. And this is happening to our kids. <laughs> and most of the time, like you said, 24 is pretty late. <laughs> My parents were wonderful, excellent parents. I don't remember, and they might correct me after this, I don't remember them ever sitting down having the birds and the bees talk, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We did Trill of Weights as a church, was right. a purity. And so church, when I was growing up, Justin was my middle school pastor, and we did God talk about it. You. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pros and cons. But in sixth grade, that was the first time I really remember at talking about any of that at all. Mm -hmm. And so I know everybody's experience is different, but what would you recommend as a counselor, as somebody that's looking into this, maybe just like in the elementary age and maybe into the middle school age, what is something that they should do? What's a step that maybe a parent could take in those phases? Absolutely. I did a um, talk at a church and it's called Let's Have the Talk. And you have reminded me that I did that PowerPoint. That's right. And so I will actually um, at some point in time today, put that on our website, Shreveport Counseling and Restoration Center's website, Great. and parents can download it. And they're listening to this a week from now, so it'll already be on there. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it'll already be on there. Um, so the one thing that I did in this um, PowerPoint is I listed the things that you talk about at each developmental stage. Um, believe it or not, two, two years old is not too early to talk about it. Um, two years old, you, you know, there is a center of the brain, and this is why pornography becomes so addicting, is that it's it's our oxytoxin center, and that is what we call the cuddle hormone. So when those chemicals are released, it feels good, right? So when I if pornography is watched, it feels good, no matter if it what kind of pornography it is. Um, and so that's why it becomes a good. Uh, what am I trying to say? Addicting because. Why wouldn't we want something that feels good? And so at two, whether they're touching or themselves or, you know, just natural curiosity of the body, we've got to give clarity to the child. So um, Josh McDowell, other um, leaders in this field would tell you two's not too early. And so I break it down what you talk about at the different ages. Um, At elementary school, you're going into, I did a rap one time called the No No Square. (laughs) I've heard the rap that you've done. So you want to talk about that no-no square, but you want to use appropriate language. You use correct terms because if a child is touched and you are not using incorrect terms and then the child conveys um, their language that they know to a person in authority, that person's going, I don't know what that is. And so that's why we want to use proper language, uh, proper you know terms for our body parts so that if a child is touched and they say that person touched me in my vagina – Okay, great. We all know what that is. And it's not a ho-ho. Okay, well, what's a ho-ho? You know, and it's not confusing to the authority figure as well. It's distinct language that they know. So every age. Now, when you get into your uh, middle school, high school age, of course, you're going into deeper detail. Um, I call these car conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Stick them in the back. Just drive down the road. Go to Sonic. Get you ice cream and have the whole conversation without looking at each other because nobody wants to have that conversation while looking at each other. Um, So, yeah, it can be real uncomfortable. I think a lot of times we go into it as adults feeling way more uncomfortable than the child Mm. um, because either it wasn't modeled for us, we don't even know what we're talking about, or, you know, or at least how to have that conversation. But doing something like that um, where the child is like, I can't believe we're having this conversation, but thank God I don't have to look at you while we're having it can help on there so again um all ages is fine to talk about it but at two and josh mcdowell has a quote that if they're coming and asking you about sex it's too late Mm. to have the talk 
That's convicting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's tough. So, <laughs> on there. So, you know, all of it, all ages is important. Absolutely. Oh, that's good. And so we're in Valentine's season. Love is in the air. You just rolled your eyes, Perry. You're not a Valentine's fan? <laughs> Actually, my husband knows I absolutely love Valentine's Oh, <laughs> okay. There you go. So relationships, dating, all that's in the air. And so maybe for a middle school parent, high school parent that, that's starting to become a conversation, mm-hmm. do you have any advice, recommendations, things to say yeah. about how to, as a parent, encourage them to date in a healthy way when how old what to do when they're not talking about it necessarily but even modeling that as parents give us a little nutshell of dating when your kids get old enough nutshell i shall <laughs> um so the first thing and you use the term model it um kids will learn how to love from you so be careful what you model mm. um if the love in your home is we don't talk about it you know what they're not going to talk about it um, it's an unwritten rule, as we would say. So what unwritten rules are you communicating in your home? Um, but when we love well, then they see that. Um, and so whether it's a father who um, treats his wife with respect and vice versa, the wife treats the husband with respect, that is something that they learn, that they do. And then when they start dating, they again have a model to follow as you have the conversation about um, relationships and what a healthy relationship is a healthy relationship I will say this I'm gonna take a tangent on this for a second so we have interdependent relationships codependent relationships independent relationships independent is when you're in a relationship but you're like eh, I'm gonna do my thing you do your thing and we might meet in the middle somewhere okay so very not a relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so codependent is where I don't know where I end to begin or where you end to begin. It's just like I've got my hands together, and it's just like you don't even know that there's two different things going on. Or Y'all can't people. see it because this isn't a video, but she's yeah. doing her hands around. <laughs> <laughs> By golly, I'm trying to explain it. Um, and then interdependent is when we come together and we can cross just like holding your hands together. Here's the church. Here's the steeple type of hands. Um, we go, okay, I know where you end and begin. I know where I end to begin. And I could go off and hang with my friends and know that we'll still be cool at the end of that. I don't have to follow every single thing that you do and my value and my worth is not tied to the other person. And I think that's where kids when they first have their experience with love or dating, they give 110% and I think that's fabulous. But we also have to know this is a partnership in a relationship at all times and I can't lose myself and allow you to become the determiner of who I am. Hmm. And I think sometimes kids have a problem distinguishing um, that. That's where we see some kids who quit hanging out with friends, who um, are just devastated when their uh, person doesn't call them or text them, or you just see them constantly going out. It may be more of a codependency because they've never experienced it. But if it's not been modeled for what a healthy relationship is, they may not know, oh, this isn't okay to do that. Does Absolutely. that make sense? I'm no, that's great. <laughs> no, and I think, again, the silly example that comes to my mind as a youth pastor was Twilight. That oh, my came gosh, out. Yes. I know you were against it. Codependency at its finest. <laughs> you see it in movies. It's one of the most popular best-selling movies, and it was an unhealthy relationship, mm-hmm. right? Besides being a vampire and a werewolf. But yeah. Well, and if anybody wants to read my um, thesis, my 72-page the- thesis, I did that on Twilight. I remember you being involved. That's why I would bring that up. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but I knew you were very into that at the time. Of I did. Not a good example. It was so unhealthy. It's so funny because when I had to defend my thesis, I was like, y'all, these people are jacked up in this thing. This 
this is not that's not a healthy view of a relationship. But that's probably where most teenagers yes. see it is in movies and mm-hmm. pop culture and TV shows mm-hmm. and they're getting all that input mm-hmm. but nothing from a parent or very little and then we expect them to remember the one time we talked about it as a parent versus all the things they see in culture and all the other things. Exactly. So Perry, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Every parent listening at some point is going to say, how old is it okay for my kid to date? And I want you to be able to say right now definitively forever that every situation is exactly the same and <laughs> this is the age they should date so it's easier for parents. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say if a parent asks you, how old is it okay for my kids to go on one-on-one real dates? A one-on-one real dates. I think that what you have to look at is the emotional maturity of the child. And so we have four ages to us we have a cognitive age a social age um develop uh, excuse me a developmental age and then an emotional age so I could be 15 years old but if I've had a lot of trauma in my life and I'm still 10 we got to look at in my emotional state that part of it um I would say that the parent has to also evaluate what have I taught this child Mm. am I ready to release them based on the things that I have told them on there so there's so many factors in that so sorry parents you ain't getting that answer today (laughs) um and so you have to look at that part of it and I think parents again have to lay out expectations on this Hmm. um whenever there is a a decision making model in place whenever there are values in place um as well as a trust in place trust is huge then I think you can look at starting them out that one-on-one. Of course, um, there's many books out here on this. I'm sure you as a youth pastor explore this as well. Group dating, love it. Always been in group. There's accountability there um, and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, can your child be responsible in a one-on-one type situation? Um, again, are, have you been able to explain a decision-making model and prepared your child for one-on-one dating? Mm. That's harder. <laughs> That's a lot harder than Perry said you can't date till you're 18. <laughs> Perry said you can't date till you're 25 because the brain's not fully formed. So, you know. Oh, man. Good luck, guys. And I got married before I was 25, so I don't know what that says. But <laughs> So, when we go back to that just real quick, if the opposite's true, if a parent says, seriously, like, I don't want my kid to date at all until they're in college, would you say that is too far? Is there a balance there? Sure. So, I think the parent then has to look at what is going on inside of me. Mm. That you keep turning around on the parent period. It's about the kid. <laughs> I don't want to deal with me. Dang I want to deal with my kids' issues. Oh, such a <laughs> sweet thought, Evan. <laughs> Not how it works. Um, but yeah, I think the parent has to look at what's going on inside of me that I don't feel that I can let them date mm. until they're eighteen. Um, of course, we know. You know, there there are some children we do worry about their. Um, ability to make solid decisions and so you know it may be the only time you're gonna date is when you in my house and i'm sitting at the bar or you are hanging out with you know like the little bar thingy that you're <laughs> you're bar in your house yes <laughs> i'm like pointing at this table um and and i'm with you but i think if you put too strong of a hold and then they go to college they're gonna go wild and that's the last thing that we want so give them some room and check yourself you know what What's happening inside of me? Is there a fear that has risen? Is there a um, trigger 
for when my child dates that I worry so much and you know all of those things so we have to make sure that we don't come into just these rigid rigid rules because then again what's the unwritten rule that we're telling the child mm-hmm. on there and we have to explore that in the sense are we communicating without saying anything dating's not safe mm-hmm. that sex isn't safe okay well what's going to happen when they do get married how are they how will that be a healthy relationship then if that has been what has been communicated all throughout their upbringing so we have to norm we're going to normalize something in our home but we get to choose what that normalization is Mm, that's good thank you so going along (laughs) with that sorry you got me all thinking about this now so you're talking about having those conversations you're talking about trying to prepare them you're talking about modeling that is there a practical way that you can encourage parents is it you go on a date with your kid is it you go and go one-on-one dinner the two of you you have something how do you find those things to talk about even or know going through like that powerpoint is a great resource i remember you doing that and that would help to be like okay this is something that i can see and reference back to another thing i would just plug real quick are the phase guides Mm. this is from orange (laughs) we've used them and promote them a lot we actually gave away a promotion every year when the new sixth graders and new ninth graders we didn't this past year because of covid but (laughs) it is a great resource and i'll put a link in the show notes to that but they have one for every age so kindergarten yeah. first grade second grade third grade there's a book and it goes through and talks about social development it talks yes. about what the conversations to have and if you were looking for practically that just came to my head and we'll put that link on there for every age from k through actually i think it's birth through 18 yes and so that's just one thing but do you have anything else of like how does that happen because parents are busy they had extracurriculars before covid now they're starting to come back you're right. going and running different things and those conversations don't just happen right so you know number one it, you give a great example there of having a date what better way to show how to date than to date your child? Um, you know, daddy going out with daughter or daughter, uh, excuse me, son going out with mom and just knowing how to even navigate um, those processes. I think understanding, you know, as a faith-based um, leadership is going, okay, what does God say about it? Um, you know, if you were to um, touch a, a young girl inappropriately, is that honoring? Is that obeying 1 Corinthians 13? Um, you know, and so it's not to shame them. We do not shame our children when we make mistakes. That is not the goal. The goal is to go when the child is by themselves, no matter their age, to go, okay, what have I learned? Because it's going to come out one way or another, right? So we help them develop their conscience. The Holy Spirit um, helps them to develop those things. So being able to go back, okay, what would god say about this what would you know if my parent find out about this what they gonna do (laughs) you know um again just being able for the child when they're by themselves to go this doesn't feel right and i don't think i want to do this and how do we do that we do that by dating our kids we do that by talking about it continually we do that by modeling it and there are some great books out there that give you that detailed um history we have a giveaway history we have a giveaway on our um shreveport counseling restoration center uh, facebook page and it's got two books one is for how to talk to your kids about sex at a younger age and then one for more the teen uh, realm and they have some good just practical ways to prepare your child 
for dating or for those relationships and the practical steps that can go along with that. So we are going to post that. We'll put it in the show notes to make a link. Go like their page. And that is also a great way to reach out to you guys if they're interested in counseling. Mm -hmm. One thing I'd like to talk to you about because I really don't know and it's also subjective is when do you feel like somebody should go see a counselor? Mm. When should they bring their kid to a counselor? How do you know those things of, Mm. you know, my kid did this, but it's not that unusual or I don't know if they're bad or they're (laughs) all these different things that the fear of going to counseling, what would you say is something that this would be when you take your kid to counseling or this is when you need to go to counseling about your kid? Yeah. So one of the things we want to look at too is when there's an abnormal behavior beyond their normal behavior. So the baseline is the child, right? So when we start to see certain behaviors maybe that are exasperated or something that's just out of the norm for our kid, um, especially in the realm of sex, are they touching themselves places that they – just like and making statements that aren't right you know something's off and I'm just going to be real with you if you're worried about it go see a counselor the counselor will help you go you know this is developmentally appropriate and this is how you can set boundaries around it um so I'm going to use a big word here um masturbation Uh, a lot of parents just oh my gosh you know it's actually a natural act um especially with children who are in that zero to two range they discover it again we go to the oxytocin it's an it feels good um as the kid ages it still feels good but it's not shaming them regardless of what you think or do do not shame your child um into that that's horrible i can't believe you would do that you know just get away and all those kind of things that's not going to help them um we set boundaries around it and we help them say you know i recognize that that may feel good to you these are the places the times that you can do that um that kind of thing and so you just want to make sure that they again know grace from you Mm. but you can mix grace and truth um together and so setting a boundary is providing that truth and that practical guideline around anything um, on there 10 years of being a youth pastor, I'd say the number one reason a parent wanted to meet with me was their child wanted to accept Christ and get baptized. Mm. Number two was they caught him looking at porn. Mm, mm. <laughs> and it happened, I mean, multiple times every year, and they'd come in, and it was normally moms, right, that they were concerned and worried and wanted them to talk to them and straighten them out. And there is that level of shame and embarrassment. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big word right now that I keep hearing is not to shame as not a parent. Shame, and it's, yeah, yeah the, I think sometimes it's our natural instinct or it's what we grew up with, so it's what we fall back to. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I think is is not difficult, but I think it's just easier almost that mm-hmm. you would go and shame and make them feel bad. And you think that's going to fix it instead of having the conversations, instead of being awkward and sitting in the car and looking forward <laughs> and trying to go and <laughs> yeah. do those things because we just think, oh, we made them feel bad. They won't do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one thing we want to know, too, is uh, that with children and, and we have to look, you were asking the question a minute ago about, you know, what can the child did but what can the parent do as well one of the things we want to look at is really what's going on inside of us when that child does that mm. D- is that a trigger for us does you know let's just be real if you were a parent that was sexually assaulted and your child is talking about sex or your child looks at porn or your child talk touches him or herself it could probably be very triggering for you and if so seek help talk to somebody about it that's a great time for a parent to go to counseling um we know god loves them because they are so sweet and they are our babies but children can be triggering just plain and simple and so i think that just gives permission to a lot of parents say that again (laughs) (laughs) 
children can be triggering. And I know some people are going, hallelujah, <laughs> um, on that. But it's just, it's real because they're their sweet little innocent selves. And everything inside of us as an adult that we've tried to push to the side can come up really fast. Mm. There's a book by Dan Siegel that is um, a title that I just forgot as I was talking about we'll it. put it in the show notes. We'll think about it. You'll text me later. <laughs> and so it, it, it talks about how... That as we parent, again, the things that the children does may cause things in us to rise up and we shift our parenting based on our triggers. So you are asking what happens when a parent says you're not dating till you're 17 or till you're 18 or till you're out of my house. So again, what shifted in you when that child starts communicated that they wanted to date? Was that a trigger? Was that something coming up that you thought you had gotten rid of? And a lot of times we're so not aware because we are busy. We got things to do, people to see, and I don't have time to stop and think about this, you know. Mm. Um, my mom was a single parent after my dad died. Um, the last thing she probably had time to do was sit and talk about sex, you know. You were 24 uh, <laughs> when you talked about <laughs> Exactly. I was 24. We were all good by then. Um, but we have to remember that this is an important conversation because these are our babies and we've got to give them something to grow by, not just to know, but to grow by and to settle in their hearts so that that becomes the seeds um, by which they can make decisions and talk about sex and know that you are a trusted person that they can come to with those questions. Once again, Perry, I don't want to work on me. I just want to fix my kid. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with my stuff. That's way harder. <laughs> It does. <laughs> it does sometimes, actually. Thank you. But in all seriousness, I have been going to counseling. That's awesome. My wife's been going to counseling. We, the church staff, they offer it for us, and we are all trying to be healthier, to be better about that and figure it out because it is complicated. Mm -hmm. And as we keep entering new phases, we started kindergarten a pandemic this year. We're new mm -hmm. parents of school age kids, mm -hmm. and it's hard. I mean, there's different stuff that does come up and having conversations about how important are grades and how much are we going to work on this and it's all these little things that add up to where I think a lot of times parents don't want to deal with it till it's a crisis. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so thankful you came to talk today. And hopefully this encouraged you as a parent that you can do it, that there is help. And that if you do want to be involved and get into counseling, if you want your child to be into counseling, Simple Church will help pay for some of that. We do refer. We would love to partner you with Perry and to talk to another agency, Clint Davis, that we can try to help get to and be able to try to help you to find a Christian-based counselor to be able to talk and do that. And we as a Simple Church believe in that. We want to help to take that step. And this conversation today probably is not one you're having with your friends when you're going out and like, hey, let's talk about how we're going to talk about our kids and sex. But <laughs> having a life group, another plug for that, you were yeah. a life group coordinator. We have yeah. a young parents life group that we did meet with pre-pandemic and trying to figure out. But even for your students being in a life group, that having another life group leader that's a younger person typically as a college age or a young adult that's investing in those middle school and high school age kids or even other parents that will speak into their life and be able to do that is a big deal. And they're free. Life yeah. groups, you can do it life every week. Absolutely. So find a life group. Get your student involved in a life group for middle school and high school age and be able to have those conversations and do that. Not, again, as in-depth necessarily as some things. And there are more serious cases that definitely right. assault and these deeper issues that it's heavy and it's hard. And you are probably listening to this if you've gone through it and you may not have talked to anybody and you might not have ever really talked about it. And it brings something up. Trigger is a mm -hmm. good word that you would need to go and talk and help because the best thing for your kids is for you to be healthy as a parent. Absolutely. And that's one thing I do want to mention is understand this. Coming to counseling doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. Mm. I think sometimes we go, oh, my gosh, if I have to go talk to these, I'm broken some way. I mean, we're all broken people because we live in a fallen world. Yeah. But, you know, God has made us whole. So just understand this. Counseling is not about fixing you. 
mm-hmm. counseling is about going well. Having somebody that can come beside you and be empathetic and be able to say, wow, that was a really hard time that you went through. What can we do together to help you be the healthiest version of yourself? So, you know, take out the shame for yourself on counseling, too, as an adult. If it's like, oh, I can't do this. Um, I think now in this generation, uh, mental health is starting to lose its stigma, its negative stigma. Whereas, you know, 30 years ago, you didn't you didn't talk. If, there, if you went, there was something wrong with you. Um, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with you. Um, it is just a matter of you going, you know what, I need some extra help. And the most courageous thing you'll ever do is ask for help. Hmm. That's good stuff, Barry. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks. And we've already asked you the question. As my first repeat person, the question we ask every guest is, what's the best piece of parenting advice you ever received? And so I don't know if you have another one of that or nothing to put you on the spot and remind you. So that's fine. You put me on the spot. (laughs) But what would be one thing just on this thing with dating for wrapping it up? If a parent came to you and said, what is the best thing I could do for my kids to help them to be able to date healthily? Mm -hmm. What would you say? I would say to them, have a, have a sit down with them, talk to them, normalize it. Um, go again, have ice cream at Sonic and say, let's, let's just, what questions you got? Shoot them at me. Um, and then, of course, I would, the second, and, and probably in tandem with that top one, if I had two top ones on there, it would be model it. Mm. You've got to model what healthy is on there. Because we can say a lot of stuff, it doesn't matter. They're do as I say, what they see. not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> It's tough, Perry. It Challenging tough. today, but I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. And Thanks we're going to get that PowerPoint up so yes. you can go and check it out. Say one more time the name of the website, and we'll go and be able to put it on the show notes so you can find it on there. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, Shreveport, Rest- Shreveport Counseling and Restoration Center.com. So we're on Facebook. We'd love to have you. And of course, we do have a website um, as well. So like us. Do Enter to win things. the giveaway. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Thanks, Perry. Thank you, Evan. Thank you for listening to that. Make sure you check out the show notes for all the recommendations from Perry that we can help you to find those resources to continue to find out about this. And if you would like to get in touch with Perry, make sure you check her out in the show notes. Her new counseling organization will be something that could help you and your family. And if you'd like to talk about Simple Church helping you get into counseling, email me, Evan, E-V-A-N, at thesimplechurch.tv. And we would love to get you connected with that. Thank you for listening. Leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps other people to find it and makes it easier to search. And again, make sure you download and subscribe so that way every week you get the new episode. We appreciate you listening. Have a great day.